0: Live from the Golden Circle Sports Book and Bar inside the Treasure Island Hotel and Casino, it's Throw the Flag
1: with your hosts, Gooch and Willie Ramirez. That's always been one of the debates, is that back to back final, those back to back Final Four teams versus the Fab Five. The Michigan group, you know, and then, and then they'll start bringing up other great college basketball teams from the past. But that seems to be because they were they were near one another. Yeah. So that's always been an argument. Uh, Paul Gutierrez from ESPN and Josh Dubal from AP, UNLV grad, Michigan grad, whenever they're in the same press box, that seems to be the debate. There's no debate. No, the Rebels not.
2: won a championship.
0: On ESPN Las Vegas. I feel
2: bad. Good, back again. Throw the flag. ESPN Radio 1100, live from the Treasure Island Sportsbook, Golden Circle. Gooch, Willie Ramirez, we have got a giant show planned for you today. Plenty of guests. Jesse Granger from the Athletics, Sam Gordon from the RJ, Taylor Bisciotti. VGK off a winner after trouncing the Colorado Avalanche. Raiders in New Orleans this week. No, Phillies no, no, no.
1: win. What's going on? VGK. Okay, here okay. Do we do we need to start the complete show completely? What over, happened? Bro? did you have where's your thermos? Where's right. your where's your I, I left it. it? I left it at home. Okay. I didn't have my coffee. No wonder. It's Taylor Bashotti. VGK oh. is off of a route of the Anaheim Ducks. I thought what was I
2: watching last night? Huh. Oh, that's right. Anaheim Ducks. Okay, oh, listen.
1: Whoa. Just because one of the giveaways I was doing stand up. Just last because one, just because one of the giveaways here is Cannabis Awards Music Festival what? doesn't mean that you need to, you know, come on now. <laughs> I,
2: saw the, I just saw A, and I put Anaheim together. Whoa, am I off my game. Anyway, though, lots to get to. I am short on caffeine. Willie, what's going
1: on with you? What's- I'm not short on caffeine. I've been up since 3 o'clock. Mm-hmm. I've been doing sports betting writing. I've been listening to national radio. I just got done listening to the, to the national radio driving down. Well, before I left, driving down here, our boy Q Myers was on the show uh, on national ESPN radio. Now I'm ready to go. Coffee has kicked in. The egg sandwich with the turkey burger and the organic beef from the 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 cattle ranch that sponsors me mm. that I told you about that's kicked in. Plus, all the multis, possibly an Adderall. I just saying. Yeah, okay. And the Phillies won
2: last night. And the Phillies won last night. And let me just say, you were, you talk with your hands. Yeah. Your nails. Yeah. There is yeah. like you're leaving streaks in the air.
1: They're shiny. They're
2: on. very shiny. Were you interviewing a manicurist or something? What's going on? <laughs> like is that
1: so yeah my here's here's the thing every three weeks every three tuesdays it's self care day okay included in that is is manny petty and then the esthetician occasionally i throw in the massage the masseuse the cup therapist an active release specialist whatever it may be but it's always self-care you gotta self-care well i got a text message i knew that the esthetician was moving shops the prices went jacked up because she went to like this really exclusive place and they set the prices can't go to her anymore and my manicurist texted me and said that her and her fiance have spoke and and she's just gonna do nail art which is high-priced stuff and then she's really gonna be focusing on her mental health going into the holidays looks like they're gonna be doing a lot of things planning their wedding so uh, I have to I, I don't just go find it like she made a suggestion but I don't just go find a place like I have to sit like I scheduled an appointment to vet the manicurist at one of the wellness spas that I am a member that I have a VIP membership at.
2: Are you just going around white gloving the whole joint?
1: I no, I sat down and I explained my situation. I explained my last two in the last 8 years, I've only had two manicures. I explained my situation. I said this is what I want. This is what I expect for the for the hour and a half, 2 hours that I'm here. I expect full blown pampering and this is as as I'm coming to to you to get my nails done, my feet done. I want them to take care of. I'm a I'm a sports writer. My hands are always I got my hands in people's face when I'm holding it. I want I don't want nasty cracked fingers in the winter. So yeah, I interviewed her, and you know what? She set a time of 30 minutes aside, and when I left, I set an appointment, and I shook her hand, and I palmed her some money, and she was like, "Oh, I thought you were just gonna shake me." I was like, "No, this." Is, you took time out of your schedule. I'm take care of you, tip you for the consultation. I'll see you next week.
2: Now, when you shook her hand, were you checking out her hands to see how well she takes care of her fingers? No, she's a
1: manicurist, and I, I don't have to worry about that. I okay. mean, th- you know, they're just – I already know, you know, especially the place that I, I have a membership, like a VIP, to go. Now, that place, the only place I've – the only thing that I've gone there to do is is get the brows done and get a, a facial massage get the lymphatic fluids going. They do the upper body. It's, it's quite nice.
2: See, I I want to treat myself like that, mm. but whenever I get, like, the brows, because I'm getting it at that age where you get, like, one super long eyebrow hair compared to the rest. You know, yeah, like well, there's maybe three of them. Yeah, there's, like, three of them in there. That's pretty much all I do. But as far as, like, getting the nails done, it's like that's just – it's. I don't know. I just go chew on my nails. No. That's pretty much how I no. handle things. I
1: can't do – I, I yeah, here's the, You know what, to be honest with you, I do do that when they start, especially in the winter, because they start getting hard on the sides and everything. And if they get too long, then, you know, they start getting brittle and I get in the shower, and they get soft. It's more so just it's the care. It's the care because I now I do have from hereditary my finger. When I say crack, like they literally will just start splitting. Mm hmm. So I do like to take care of them for that. And then your feet, I mean, I just have always been like, you got to take care of your feet, man. You walk on them. Is this
2: something that you use to look at other people and go, Is it like I don't one judge of those nobody. You, okay, all right. Oh.
1: I, i'm not a judge person man i i take everybody for for who they are and how they speak and treat me and other people that's it i don't i don't care you know i mean unless you i mean and i'm not even going to judge you if you don't wear deodorant but if you don't you stink just just just, just greet me from afar not I'm not right. going to judge you right okay. everybody's got their own thing going on man you know <laughs> what i'm saying we all we all we, we know we never know what the other person across from us is going through so don't judge, you know what I mean? I mean, how can you judge about somebody with a splinter in your eye when you got sawdust in your own or whatever the phrase is from the Bible?
2: Okay. You know what I'm saying? I get what you're saying, but sometimes it's hard, though. Like it, like, it you were talking, like you were talking about somebody stinking, and it's like, okay, you want I, to be nice to them, but what if they have a secret they want to tell you, and you're like, no.
1: That's not judging text, them. Text I just don't me. want to smell you. Yeah. Text me. So, so, I still care. I just don't <laughs> want to smell you. How
2: is that going to make <laughs> them smell feel? Smell you later. How is that going to make them feel when you're on the other side of the room and you're like, Hey.
1: Doing sign language, having a conversation.
2: Mm. How is it going to make them feel?
1: I don't know. I what I do know is that Monday is uh, Halloween, and I'll right. be uh, doing our watch party at Twin Peaks. So I won't be handing out candy. But there was this article that came out: fifty-seven last-minute Halloween costumes inspired by movie and TV characters. Now I'm not going to go through the list. I don't. I'm not. I'm just not going to go through it. It doesn't matter. What I want to know, because. Our girl Lindsay's in the box quarterback. Quarterback in this show. You two and myself. What sports costume would you wear? Top of your head. All right. I would get. Excuse me, ladies first. Oh, sorry.
3: Well, I take my uh, costumes a little bit more literally. I think my senior year in ho- hockey, we couldn't go out, so I was like a fantasy hockey player. So I dressed up as a wizard in a hockey jersey. Okay. We're just casting spells on people. Had like a staff. Nice. Yeah, so that's probably that's the, the quickest one and the most like economical a, one, for
1: sure. Like a wizard hockey. Lizard. It's almost like like Michael Myers, right? He wears a hockey yes. mask, but he's a yep. killer. Exactly. How about you?
2: I'm going to do, I'm going to take a Jets helmet and paste a donkey on it and represent the butt fumble. What do you think of that? <laughs> okay.
1: Do you hear what's playing in the background? I hear the music. Do you know it? Give me a little volume on that. No, who is this? If I was to be invited to a, like a Halloween party, and I don't, I'm not a costume person, I would dress up from the greatest gang movie of all time, the Baseball Furies ah. from the Warriors. Oh, this is the this is yes. this is the song. This is the song that's playing when the Furies are running down the sidewalk. You and know, James th- Remar looks back and he goes, he "Goes," they said, "Did we lose him?" And they go. And he nods, and they're coming down that sidewalk with the baseball bat. You know what's funny? Okay, the people
2: listening couldn't see Willie, like, losing himself in the music, but he had (laughs) his arms up in the air, and I I could tell that he was fighting to to not say the phrase, can you dig it? And keep his shirt on, too. And keep his shirt on. Yeah. Cyrus. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Can you dig it? it? That's a great movie. Oh. I mean, you have – well, you go from – uh, why my James Dean uh, Jets and Sharks. Oh, uh, West Side Story. West Side Story. So there you got that. And then you fast forward, you got the Warriors. And then you fast forward and you have Colors. And then you have Boys in the Hood. And then from there, it just transcends in terms of gang movies but you know what else was a great gang movie from the 70s tell me the lords of flatbush i never saw that one. henry winkler sylvester stallone the leather jackets the t-birds
2: well that was uh and then there was also what was it the outsiders with ralph McElroy.
1: oh yeah gosh how could i stay golden <laughs> yes stay golden pony boy yeah that would be a good costume but that's not sports but yeah a greaser i'd be a greaser wouldn't be a soch mm, oh, no, no no no, shot.
2: no yeah yeah dressing as a soch for halloween like what are you doing Unless you're a greaser 24-7. That's the only time you go as a social on Halloween. Linz, you saw The Outsiders, yeah?
4: Nope. <laughs> I have no idea what any of you guys are talking about. All these films like, yeah, sounds like so, a classic.
1: So S.E. So Hinton, you know, The Outsiders was a book that we all had to read in school back then. But okay. I highly suggest that you watch S, uh, you watch the movie The, the Outsiders, uh, Linz. We're talking actors like Tom Cruise, Ugh. Patrick Swayze, uh, C. Thomas Howell, Ralph Macchio, Rob Lowe. I mean, these guys, before they were even the Brat Pack, some of the greatest actors of all time were uh, Diane La- Uh, No, not Diane Latt. Sawyer? Lannister. No. Um, the other Diane. Oh, man, I don't know. I'm gonna, I'm I don't gonna.
3: know. I'm kind of against Tom Cruise movies. He freaks me out.
1: It's not a Tom Cruise movie. That's it. Diane Lane. No. She was in there. But but it's not. He's just in it. It's not like he's the star. Patrick Swayze. See, Thomas Howell and Ralph Macchio end up being. Oh, and Matt Dillon. Yes, that's what I was thinking. Matt Dillon. Matt Dillon yes. Yeah, it, trust me. It's not like you're going to be overwhelmed with Tom Cruise. He's in it. You know, they're, they're all in it a handful of scenes outside of those three. This was actually before he was, like, mega famous. Before thing. any of them were mega yeah, famous. Yeah, yeah. Any of them. Matt Dillon might have been. You know, more on the on – the, on the, I the, want to know why – Was true. he ever
3: famous,
2: Matt Dillon?
1: You know who was in that movie? Remember Leif Garrett? Who? Yes. <laughs> Remember
2: Leif what, Garrett? With the uh, headband? Wasn't <laughs> oh. he the guy – wasn't he what, the, the, the he sex – of Yeah, he was the he sex symbol in the he, 70s, he, 80s. You know. Yeah,
1: you know what? And I, if I'm not mistaken, he had like the, the Hollywood romance possibly with my first ever celebrity crush. Who was that? Christy McNichol. You know who mine was? <laughs> no. Paul Abdul.
2: Hell, yeah. From oh, wow. the from the uh, Opposites Attract music video. Oh, sure. I cat. wanted to be with MC car- cat. You, wanted, cat. you wanted to be
1: the cartoon character. Oh, characters. I wanted to be sure MC Cat so bad. Oh, sure. boy. Paula Abdul. Wow. She, she came she came to. So how about this? She did auditions with local street dancers, which we've talked about, right? You were back then. Back then in the 80s, you were a DJ. You were on the radio or you were a club DJ and a dancer either were trying to make music or you're a drug dealer. Okay. And back there, drug dealers, they were, they were dealing weed and blow. That was right. it, you know? But in Vegas not the, like these guys today. No, I mean there was there's all these exotic right. stuff, right? <laughs> I mean now one of the two one of the two things being sold back in the eighties, now it's legal and you can just go to the dispensary. But Paula Abdul did local auditions and if you made the cut, she brought you on stage for back the music fest that they did back then, at the Thomas and Mack, and she did a big one back then I remember and then some of the local dancers that made it on stage. So um, But anyway, so there you have it. So Linz is going to be a wizard hockey player. Right. I'm going going to be be butt fumble. You're going to be a butt fumble, and I am going to be a baseball fury. What we are going to do is come back and throw the flag around a little bit. It's not really going to be throwing the flag this next one, but I had some fun with this, and then we're going to talk Phillies. And coming up, as Gooch mentioned... in the the second part of the first hour. Jesse Grangers, we're going to talk a lot of Golden Knights. So, it is Gooch, it is Willie. We're off and running. Throw the flag, ESPN Las Vegas. By the way, I got Jed over here at the controls. Uh, Come on down, check us out. We got some giveaways, we got t-shirts. The kitchen is open. The sports kiosk, the sports book, fantastic layout. Free parking, Treasure Island. Throw in the flag, ESPN Las Vegas. Gooch and Willie, we're back.
0: Now, back to throw the flag you know there was a time that you wouldn't dare fuck around in a casino you wouldn't dare have a fight you wouldn't dare dare steal something you would be arrested you know you fuck around down the horseshoe and this is no lie he had them binion had them security guards they take you down the basement they handcuff you to a pole and put the fire hose on you. The old Vegas
1: way. (laughs) You know who that is.
2: (laughs) Steve Sharippa.
1: Steven Sharippa. That was during a Zoom that he agreed to do with me. Um, Back in the pandemic days when I was going stir crazy and had nothing to do, and I regenerated my website, WGRamirez.com, and I was doing monthly series. Three stories, one national, one local, and one personal and whatever the theme was, I did a mental health awareness, I did social injustice, I did Proud Fathers, I did a Mother's Day series. And everyone, and This one was an Old Vegas theory to kick off. It was bringing in the new year, talking Old Vegas. And I had Steven Sharippa. I had a, a guy who's, who's become really popular around town with his pizzerias, Mark Rich's Pizzeria. Mark Rich, first DJ job in town, first job when he got to Las Vegas was a DJ at my uncle and grandfather's nightclub, Jubilation, Sharippa was a in there and then I talked about growing up here and how I missed those days. And this was part of the zoom that we did. Steve
2: Sharippa mm. booked me for my very first comedy at gig Riviera. at the Riviera right here in Vegas. Wow, yeah. now
1: that is cool. And we talked about that throughout the show was, you know, he was the entertainment director and how he sort of, the, you know, at the time, old Vegas was eh, and and thing and they didn't know what they were going to do with the Riviera and he came in and took it over and did the comedy club and then he had the Crazy Girls this is the funny thing about this, right? So you just heard in that clip
2: him dropping an F-bomb, which, by the way, if anybody has ever met him, it just flies out of there. Oh, the sure. Guy. So he calls me up. He's like, hey, I need you to be squeaky clean up there. No
1: no swear words. And I'm like, you got it. You know, I just, you know so, so here's the thing. Here's why I, I played that, because uh, I texted him the other day. I was texting with him about – because he did – so during the pandemic, him and Michael Imperioli did – Uh, they did talking with the Sopranos. They went back and they watched every episode. So, like, let's say they said, okay, this week we're watching season one, episode one. Mm -hmm. They watched it, and then Monday they they broadcast – and they, they had a production team, and then they put it on Spotify and all these other places, and then you go and listen to it. So it, it, it caused people to go listen to it, and people that never watched the series started watching The Sopranos, and then they were listening to them. They were talking about each scene, and then if they were in it, and then behind the scenes, and they remember this, and they remember during the production of that, it was fantastic. It got me so—Gooch, I wasn't even listening to music going to the gym. I was listening to talking with The Sopranos at some times, right? They were great, and then they'd have some of The Sopranos— some of the actors and actresses came on the podcast with them. It's a special guest that week. So it was tremendous. But during throughout that, he would talk they would talk about different actors. he he talked about his time in Vegas. Imperial would talk about his time on Broadway. Different things. They talked about different actors. And when the show friends and whenever the show friends came up, he would he would just always say Matthew Perry. Piece of this, piece of that. I mean, just he said that was the one guy, and I'll never forget that. Like he, I mean, he he literally disliked Matthew Perry. And the so, thing is,
2: when he says it
1: like that, oh, the, and you know, when he's talking this, like this, is, you know, in his show with
2: Matthew Perry. Oh, forget about it. You know, like guy, when you movie. hear a phrase so many times, but some people just say it better. Yeah, that's him. That's yes. he. That's yes. him. Yes.
1: You piece. Of, that's him. Yeah. Yeah. No, he's a great <laughs> voiceover. So it comes from the heart. So you know, this different things have come out in the last week with Matthew Perry, and I just started thinking about Steve Sharip. I said, you know, we got to talk about this because, you know, he he's questioning why Keanu Reeves still walks among us. Yeah. I, I, I don't get this. And then and then Matthew Perry talks about how he made out with Valerie Bertinelli while Eddie Van Halen was nearby, passed out. Yeah, I'm this- sitting there thinking about Sharippa the whole time, going like I didn't. I didn't disagree. Like, I wasn't, like, shocked or saying, oh, come on, Steve. You're just being, you know. Right. Rip. But now I I, I I believed him. I just he's like, oh, okay. Because you, if you watch the show, like, here's this jovial guy, right, the goofball. Right, right. Um, who ends up with Monica and all, everything. And uh, as it turns out, man, you just slowly see this guy who's just kind of like, oh, man, maybe well, he's a real piece
2: of crap. He was a major alcoholic. So it's like. He did that. <laughs> You know, let's just make sure that we point that out. This guy was a major, and he still is. I mean, it's like we don't know if he's drinking anymore, but once you're an alcoholic, you're always an alcoholic. And this guy had serious problems. So so his POS meter is going to be crazy high compared to, you know, somebody who may not engage in that type of behavior.
1: Well, and I put, good morning, Steve. Hope all is well. Checking in, saying hello. All these Matthew Perry not-so-nice headlines remind me of every time you said he was a POS during the podcast. Bringing it up on the, on our ESPN show, sheesh, you nailed it. Take care, he says. Hey, pal, he's a bad guy hiding behind addiction. A sober a hole is still an a hole. <laughs> <laughs> so, I stand yeah, corrected. So stand you know corrected. what? Let me let me let me do that over real. quick. Let <laughs> me do that over again. Let me do that over again. Since you since you since you actually you you said it right about Steve is instead it's it's hey pal. He's a bad guy. Hiding behind addiction is a sober ale. He's still an ale. Get a You know what I'm saying? Oh, I love it. All right, let's move on. It's a sports show, right? We've got to talk a little sports. The Phillies. They won game one. The bats outweigh pitching. Verlander. I, this dude, you realize he's never won a World Series game, yeah. right? I think oh. he's like 0 and 6. I don't think he got the loss last night. ERA of 5.68. For- Five point eight six or five point six whatever 5. it is. 6, going, going into the World Series. Yeah, this is this going he's had into seven the
2: World series. series starts. He I mean he, and this
1: now he's 0 and seven, but even heading into that, yeah,
2: he it was uh, his ERA was five point six
1: eight. It it was it was uh I mean it's it's just it's remarkable to, remarkable to see that, to read that. But it's hard to go against that. I mean, uh by the way, I just got an email from Elements Salon and Wellness Spa. Okay, that, where I'm the MVP. Yeah, they just happened. They, they must They must. Well, they just must have heard me. They're, they're reminding me of the specials. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I just it, it, brag. It, I, I wasn't shocked by it, but it's just like I was writing up a couple of previews, and I was like, you you don't ignore that. You don't go well. Well, this time, well, this is a different team. No, but it doesn't matter. You're talking about a skilled veteran that there's something about the World Series. So you ride that out until he proves you wrong. You force him to beat you. I, I, I bet, I made some bets yesterday. Okay. I bet the Phillies to win the game. I bet, the Phillies, you ready for this? The Phillies total. You can bet each team's total. Phillies were two and a half runs for the game. I bet it over. I mean, I slammed the over. Yeah, that's that was happen. ridiculous. Uh, the The Astros were three and a half. So right there, you're getting value because the total in the game was six and a half. If you bet each individual team, two and a half, three and a half, that's six.
2: Now, did you factor in Verlander start heading into this and how yes. bad he is into the World Series? And why you made that bet?
1: Yes, and I, but here's the thing that I also said in one of my previews was that it's not necessarily something you go and bet the because the starters. Like they're they're somewhat similar, okay. Yesterday, sir Aaron Nola, just they're strikeout throwers. That means they're going to come and they're going to attack. They're going to hit the zone. They're not going to look to get crafty. They're not going to get out of control with off-speed just junk. Power. They're going to mix it. Yeah, they're just going to try to come down the pike. And with Verlander, it's not like, it's not like he's got overpowering velocity. You know, I I I. I'm not comparing him to Greg Maddox because the the Mad Dog is you just the the Professor you just don't you don't compare that's what he has but, World Series wins right well, well but and and but Maddox you know when he came over the plate but he also painted corners and knew how to avoid each hitter his 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 IQ on each batter was phenomenal yes. with Verlander he's just going to come at you and try to tail away or pitch away but he's not there's not there's nothing to it. And it was eventually going to catch up. The thing about those three was, I I specifically said, be careful trying to bet the over or against you. Don't bet the first five. Because where they're going to become um, vulnerable is in the second and third time through the lineup. You're eventually going to see. And that's what we saw. I literally wrote that. And sure enough, Phillies fall behind 5-0. But it was eventually going to catch up with him.
2: This is one of those things where you see somebody who is so dominant, dominant during the regular season throughout their career. Mm. And – they hit the, they hit those games that really matter the most and they just don't come through you don't want to see a Dan Marino career you
1: never want to see that yeah that's it, I guess that's a good it's it's just so difficult to, to, to compare football to baseball with the number of games they play absolutely because you know they get you to a certain point but I get it yeah you're right and and it's that's it's a rough one with Verlander because it's just like I said I and the thing is with the Phillies um. I was listening to an interview with Ryan Howard. He was comparing it to the team that had won, I believe, in 08. Is that the year? Um, where, it, you know, they won the division, but they were just this family aspect. They remind me of, like, the 79 Pirates. We are family, right? Is there's just a bond and there's a chemistry and there's a way that this lineup performs timely hitting at the right time. It's You know, it's it's sort of mystical. They've won all – they've known every series – every game one they've won it's the most important game for the road team in the series the the underdog in the series you got to get game one out of the way that way you steal home field now whatever happens to game 2 you still win you still won you leave one to one but you won cuz your job was to steal home now you're going home and you got a few games and on top
2: of that you're already in the head of Verlander and when you're when you have no oh, let's just say Houston does pull it out they won but I'm, I'm just saying, let's just say they do, but let's just say
1: Verlander doesn't win those games. Right. How does he feel? Well, it's, it's, it's tough on him now because because Dusty Baker decided to start with him, he's got to finish with him. Yeah. He's sort of set him up to now where he's going to be later on in the series. He's your, going to be your guy. Um, I, I wonder if he should have went with Farmer Valdez. I mean, he that's who's starting tonight. Uh, Valdez against Wheeler. I turn around and I would play the, the under tonight because I think that the scouting report's out. You know, they, uh, a marathon game like this, I, I tend to think that it's going to be a little bit more tight. Um, both, either lineup could get it going. Whichever one finds its groove first, I think the other one, the other pitcher and bullpen sort of tighten things up, tighten the screws, and it could stay under. It would not shock me, like, if the Astros won 4-1 to tonight. Um but last night was it was last night was a better's dream if you love the numbers. The only thing that the favorite that I bet was Philly's over two and a half was minus one twenty five. But I got plus one forty. I got plus one eighty to win the series. Now I'm short up. I mean think about this. If if the Astros win tonight, they go back to Philly, Philly wins game three, even if they win game four, at some point if the Philly goes up and the series is still available. You can hedge, or I can I can play the Astros each game at a plus in Philly, and now hedge my way out and get my money back that I put into those those bets. What but I'm the, already up in the series. What is the spread today? Uh, the Astros are currently. I will get that for you. The Astros are minus one. Uh, ranging 135 to 140. We'll have to get the current number because we, we usually bring the football sheets at Treasure Island. So we'll get you the Treasure Island number. The total is seven, and the under is the favorite tonight. So it was six and a half yesterday with Wheeler and Valdez on the hill tonight. Um, again, I like the under. It wouldn't shock me to see the Astros win, but, you know, what, the the Phillies lineup is just so dangerous because you never know who's going to spark the, the lineup. You know what I mean? It just it could be anybody.
2: And that's why you don't really want to blast Verlander so bad because look at the lineup that he's going up against but no, still, I want to it's blast just another Verlander. World yeah no series I want to blast joke. Verlander
1: because this is where a veteran needs to you know you need to buck up you need to at some point you know it's almost like Kershaw with the Dodgers oh you know what I mean I mean he it, had to get it off his back yeah so he and he finally did uh if Verlander does he's going to have to do it later in this series I'll tell you who's playing well a lot better than the uh the Astros did last night. The Vegas Golden Knights. Who dare be, I say it? And are I. they back? Is, look at Lindsay. She's already smirking. She's got the <laughs> like, like. She's the emoji. I don't like, disagree with you. She's gearing she up. Doesn't, she doesn't. She doesn't. I love seeing Lindsay on. I've said it before. I'll say it all every show. I'll say it all the time. I love seeing Lindsay on press row. When I see her. When I get to see her at the Golden Knights game. she is like one of the bright lights before the game. And if you need anything during the game, you can walk down and ask her and she's not just gonna tell you something, she's gonna break it down and she's probably got scribbled notes like on the side of the paper of the of a yeah. game note. yeah, it's 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 really it's yeah. Okay, so in it, other it's, words it's,
2: like it's one of those things where you gotta kinda turn it's like it a, a bunch lesson of ways. Plan. Yes. It's like a lesson yes. plan.
1: Yeah, it's like a lesson plan. You you if you're if you go to if you go to a golden Knights game and Lindsay's there, you actually are in a classroom. Next up, coming up, Jesse Granger. From the Athletic, who does a fantastic job covering it. ESPN Las Vegas, Gooch and Willie, Treasure Island. Throw the flag, get down here, the kitchen's open, the sports book open, and we got plenty of prizes. Stevenson at the goal line, puts it in front and scores. He won five-hole on
0: Gibson. Short-handed, Carlson and Smith.
1: able to retrieve it. Curl's back out top. Shot, hit,
0: score! Time to talk pucks with the Athletics, Jesse Granger.
4: I always feel like me. If you haven't <laughs> we
1: we we're trying to implement some uh, some of the Halloween type songs. I guess the, I I looked up the Halloween list. Halloween music list, like if you if you're throwing a Halloween party, okay. I guess this could be on there, but I remember when this came out, Rockwell. Yes, we yes. S- we spun it. I, I put it in the mix. I had the, I had the, the the twelve inch, the wax. This one be
2: on there. Uh, I I have a song that's coming up. Yeah, for we the have Final Flag. Yeah, we have one. Yeah, we a have,
1: have few up. The only one that I Monster think that's mash. not, yeah, Monster Mash. The only one that's not is going to be for uh, for our uh, ten o'clock guest, which I did a special mix for. But right now, joining the show, the Athletic. Hockey writer from Las Vegas and a very good friend of mine. I've known this dude since, well, before his career actually got started. My guy, Jesse Granger. Jesse, welcome to the show. How are you?
3: Good morning, Willie. Thanks for
1: having me. You got it. You're on with Gooch and Willie throwing the flag. We're here at Treasure Island. So, Jess, uh, before we get started, Jess, we're asking everybody. We asked uh, Lindsey, Gooch, myself. By the way, our, our our engineer here, Jed, he said he would be one of my Baseball Furies. Um, one sports-related costume. Halloween is Monday. What are you wearing?
3: Oh, come on. Jason Voorhees, uh, the goalie mask, right? Goalie um, mask. You know me, and, yep. and I'm, I'm part of the goalie union. I'm going to go goalie-related. I'm wearing Jason Voorhees goalie mask all day.
1: Well, then you can trick-or-treat with Lindsay because Lindsay is wearing a wizard's hat with a hockey. So she's going to be like a hockey wizard and put spells on people. Fantasy hockey. Fantasy hockey. Fantasy hockey. All right, let's get to it. The Golden Knights, they're off to a rocking start. And I want to start with a guy that you and I have covered. And, and Danny, since, I mean, the guys that have been on this beat, right, since day one, we've seen the misfit line. William Carlson opens that first season with the Golden Knights, 43 goals. He sort of has tailed off the last few. His resurgence has been impressive. Off to a career start. First nine games, most points he's had through his first nine games. What gives?
3: I mean, he's playing with confidence, and and he's playing in front of the net. I feel like when when we remember that first season, I think a lot of people remember the highlight real goals that William Carlson scored, the one that everybody thinks of immediately as the the between-the-legs one against the Sharks to clinch the division. But when I remember that season, I, I remember most of his goals were deflections in front of the net, scoring dirty goals, getting to that hard ice that nobody wants to get to, and... He has kind of gotten away from that the last couple of years. Like last season, I thought he spent way too much time digging out pucks in the corners behind the net. Um, this year, he's gone to the front of the net. He's already scored two deflection goals. He had the high tip from Alex Petrangelo in Los Angeles in the season opener. Uh, last night, he gets another great tip um, in front of the net. I think we, we forget how many dirty goals William Carlson scored that first year. And then once you start scoring goals like that, we all know the puck goes off your stick, it finds the net. You start getting some confidence. Then you start scoring the goals like you did against San Jose a couple nights ago where he dangles around Eric Carlson and beats the goalie clean with a wrist shot. Um, I think it's all about confidence. You can say that for every player, but I don't know if there's a player on this team that's that's game is affected more by his confidence or lack of confidence. So pucks are going in early for William Carlson. That's good news for the Golden Knights because when he's confident – he, he takes the puck to the net. He goes to those areas, and he scores a lot of goals. So, uh, obviously, a great start for him and the team.
2: Yeah, and another guy having a great start is Logan Thompson. He has been on fire with his play in temperament. Are you surprised at all by that?
3: Not the temperament. Uh, this guy is fiery. He's he, it's, the, the players love practicing against him because every shot is do or die. Like, he, he gives up a goal in practice, and you'd think he lost the, the Stanley Cup game in overtime. Um, this guy... His compete level is as high as it gets. He just never gives up on any puck. It's fun to watch. Um, kind of reminds me of Flurry in that in that way. But he, yeah, last night a little fiery, standing up for himself, uh, <laughs> shoving Vetrano down in front of the net. Uh, a lot of people got a kick out of that. But I have been surprised, maybe not as surprised by his temperament, but I have been surprised by how well he's played. Um, I do think that Bruce Cassidy's defense and the way this team has bought in, I think the team defense deserves a ton of credit, if not the majority of the credit, for these goalie stats. But at the same time, the goalies still have to make the saves. And, and there have been breakdowns on occasion, and when they have happened, uh, Logan Thompson's made some huge saves. Two shutouts already. The Golden Knights only had three as a team last year, um, and he's already at two. And we're nine games into the season. So super impressive start for him. He has bailed them out when he's needed to. For the most part, they've they've kept things away from the net. They've made his job easy and he's handled them. Um, now, I think the most important thing, maybe more so than the big saves he's made is the fact that Logan Thompson and Aiden Hill have not allowed a soft goal in nine games. And when you play a zone defense, like the one the Golden Knights are playing, that's what you're counting on is your goalie's going to make all the saves that they should make. And, to this point through nine games, they haven't allowed a single one that you think, wow, they should have had that one. Um, so to me that's been the key.
1: We're talking to Jesse Granger from the Athletic Local uh, covering the the local hockey scene, but also I believe G Jess, you're still contracted, right? You're occasionally you're you're representing this town and your territory for on NHL network as well. So you can yes, see sir. Him on there from time to time. He always tweets that out. So make sure you're following him in, at Jesse Granger underscore uh joining Gooch and Willie here on ESPN Las Vegas, throwing the flag. Mark Stone's got a new power play role. Do you like it?
3: Love it. Um, they, they still haven't seen the results yet. Um, you look at their, their percentage, they're right around 20th in the league, which is obviously not as good as this team thinks it should be with the offensive talent they have. But for me, when I watch the power play lately, since Bruce Cassidy mixed things up, um, they, they, it looks like it's trending in the right direction. I see a lot of good things. Early in the year when Bruce Cassidy came in, and I understand why he did this. He didn't want to move guys into positions that they've never played before. He said, okay, Jack Eichel, he usually plays on the left half wall. That's where he's been his whole career. Let's put him there just, just to let him get settled. Uh, Mark Stone is used to playing around the goal, kind of left of the goal um, over there near the goal line. Let's put him there where he's comfortable. Through four games, it didn't work. Um, He he, he, Eichel was holding onto the puck a little too long. Most of their offense wasn't coming from, from the bumper spot, which is where Cassidy likes to run it through. So after four games, he threw it in a blender. He moved Eichel over to the right side and moved Mark Stone into the bumper spot, which is right in the middle of the power play. To me, that is the biggest key to the power play is that position. It's the hardest role to play because you're in the middle of the penalty kill. So you've got four guys around you the moment the puck touches your stick, they're all closing in on you, so you've got to make super quick decisions. Um, To me, Mark Stone, one of the smartest hockey players in the world, he is built for that position. He's still getting used to it. He's never really done it, so he's still adapting to it, but I think he makes decisions so quickly. He's perfect for that spot, and the play that I've really liked over the last few games that they've run with Mark Stone there is that high-tip play similar to the one William Carlson scored that we talked about earlier, but He he doesn't get the high tip on goal with a lot of velocity. It's kind of just a slow little shuffle towards the net. But the reason I like it is because those slow shuffles are so hard for the goalies to handle. When a puck's coming at you fast, you can either absorb it or you can, if you get a piece of it, you're deflecting the puck out of harm's way, right? It's hitting you and it's going into the corner. It's bouncing out. But when the puck doesn't have much speed on it, it hits you and it kind of just dies right in front of the goal, which is the last place you want the puck to be. And we've already seen it a couple times. Mark Stone can shuffle that high tip on net. It hits the goalie. And then Chandler Stevenson's there for a second opportunity. Mark Stone jumps on it for a third opportunity. I think they're going to score a lot of goals. um, in Like dirty, scramble, second, third opportunity goals. um, If they can continue getting Mark Stone the puck in that bumper spot and kind of shuffling it on net.
2: Let's give Phil Kessel a big old round of applause for capturing the NHL record with 990 consecutive games. That's crazy. Now at 991. And he has looked better on that third line. Do you agree with that?
3: He has. You know what? It's been surprising. I, I honestly didn't expect it. The, the first few games, he was playing up on that top line with Riley Smith and, and Jack Eichel, and he wasn't the dynamic player that we all expected. Um, you, don't, you don't expect him to be a full 200 foot player, but I thought when the puck was on his stick, he was going to make his magic, which is what Phil's done for a really long time, but it just wasn't there, whether it was him getting used to new teammates, whether it was him just kind of finding his game, I'm not sure what it was, but since Bruce Cassidy moved him down to that third line, um, he has been the castle they expected to get, which is someone who makes plays with the puck on his stick, makes the players around him better. Um, I have a few theories about maybe why he's been better on the third line. I'm not exactly sure why. I want to talk to Phil after practice today to get his thoughts on it. But, you know, I think it could be matchup-related. Obviously, you're playing on the third line. You're not playing against the opposing top players. Those guys aren't as good at checking. They're, they're not going to play as tightly. Maybe you have a little bit of extra time and space, so that makes Phil a little more comfortable um, with the puck on his stick. And then the other thing is, I think when he's playing on the third line with players like Brett Howden and Nick Waugh, he feels like he can be the guy. He's a little more assertive. He can carry the puck up the ice. Whereas when you're on the ice with Jack Eichel, you're going to defer a little more. So I, I do think that Phil may be playing with some guys that aren't as established offensively. Um, he feels like he can dictate play a little more. He can he can kind of drive the bus rather than being a passenger like he was with Eichel and Smith. So um, whatever it is, they're getting more out of him. And if, if he can make that third line viable, man, this team can be good because – When you stack those top two lines the way they have, they're obviously good. The the Eichel-Stone-Stevenson line has been dominant. The issue with that, though, is have you put all your good players on those top two lines? Can you get anything out of those bottom two lines? And if Phil Kessel's playing the way he is, you can, and this team can be really dangerous.
1: Once again, we're talking to Jesse Granger from The Athletic. Covers the Golden Knights here in town. Does a great job and. you know, contributes also on the national scene. with Occasionally, all the, the NHL writers, they, they they lend some some experience here and there, so you can check Jesse out at The Athletic. Jess. we got time for one more I want to ask you about, because you and I, the day one training camp, I had uh, Alec Martinez for about five minutes, and then I remember you had come over and talked to him. I spoke to him the other day in the locker room a little bit more. I'm working on a big feature for the Associated Press on him overcoming that gruesome injury that he endured. I, I'm i just... I'm happy for the guy and I'm not surprised. I'm more just like, wow, like enamored with how he looks like the Alec Martinez that we knew before that because of how down he was in the press box. When we'd see him up there, when we were watching Mark Stone limp up and down the press box and then once or twice we saw Alec, I don't think he could handle like the heights and the the, the being so high up in the lights. But you knew how sore, somewhat of a mental low he had hit with that gruesome injury.
3: Yeah, it was, it was tough. I mean, this whole team, it was a battlefield last year. They were all out. Um, and, and, and Martinez's injury was probably the scariest of them all. Um, he's mentioned a couple times he thought maybe there were a couple points where he, he might be done playing hockey. And it's, it's good to see him back on the ice. Last year when he came back, he obviously didn't look himself. I thought he was definitely timid out there. Um, full offseason, full training camp behind him. He's back to being Alex Martinez. I mean, he only knows how to play hockey one way. This, guy, this guy's coming back from this terrifying injury, and he immediately goes into leading the NHL in blocks. I mean, he's laying his body in front of shots uh, every chance he gets. He's a huge part of this defense. When I... Looked at Bruce Cassidy's stats uh, in Boston when they first hired him. I wondered how it would affect the Golden Knights' blocks because the Bruins are usually near the bottom of the league in blocks pretty much every year under Cassidy. And I thought, oh, maybe this zone defense that he runs isn't really conducive to blocks. Um, but that hasn't been the case at all. It's clearly personnel because Zach Whitecloud, Braden McNabb, Alex Trangelo, and Alec Martinez are all laying their body in front of shots. The Golden Knights lead the NHL in blocks this year. And I think that, honestly, I think it adds another layer to Cassidy's defense. I think it makes it even better, Um, and that's why they've allowed the fewest goals in the league. So, yeah, it's good to see Martinez out there leading the way.
1: Jesse, I appreciate your time. We're up against it. I will see you at T-Mobile tomorrow, 5 p.m. puck drop, Winnipeg for the second time in a little more than a week. Nate Schmidt returns. I appreciate you joining us on the show, and uh, we'll catch up with you in a few.
3: Awesome. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it.
1: We got Jesse Granger with The Athletic getting us caught up with the Golden Knights. Man, I tell you what, two of the best analysts. We got Lindsey Brown in the booth, we got Jesse in our ears. We got the gambling segment coming up with two of the best quote-unquote prognosticators Gooch and Willie, man, we are rolling baby, if you're following us, you might as well retire, we're throwing the flag, we're at Treasure Island on ESPN Las Vegas, get down here guys, we got and ladies, ladies and gentlemen, we have t-shirts we got some tickets to give away, got UNLV football tickets, the kitchen is open tons of TVs in high def, plus the sports book and free parking we will be back with our gambling segment in just a moment what am I going to do, Tiki? Miami by seven. What am I going to do, <laughs> Oh, my God, Tiki.
3: I was down 11 ground before I made this play. They need
4: a <laughs> it dribbles <aside> half Smith side half-court.
3: <laughs> He's a 30-footer! It's in!
4: You got it! Yes, it's
2: good! Are you sure Are you showing the final yeah! score? Miami by seven!
0: Now, back to Throw the Flag with Willie Ramirez and Gooch. Got to make
2: that money. Once again, throw the flag back at the Golden Circle Sportsbook. I have a bone to pick. With Treasure Island Hotel and Casino.
1: Why does Willie Will have a bone to pick with me? What's going on? So, people don't understand the work that's put in behind the scenes from everybody, right, With, between Lindsey, Jed, myself, and you. When we first agreed to do this show, we were like, hey, you know, no, just show up. You'll be fine. Build a rundown. It's real simple. It's like, no, man, I want it to sound like the weekday shows, like the ones that Lindsey's on in the press box when I do Cofield. Like, I want the rejoins, right. everything, right? So then lately you've been like, hey, I can do more than just one. Right. So you've been building some rejoins. So, like, the stuff you hear, like, we take time to build. It's not easy. Like, it's 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 easy because it's fun, right? Bro, there's been a couple of times during the intros, like, whoever's it, it on the board, and you'll be like, yeah, let that play, let that play. Lately, right when it's over, like, right when the, the Leon's voice, like, you jump, like, dude, breathe let the music play like i can't enjoy the music that you put because you build these great rejoins and i can't enjoy that like that hit point when it's done and then and then we mix it and then you have the, the breakout song part okay can you give me five so seconds okay, to just, enjoy it so in other words just kind of get an idea
2: of how many beats per minute's going on right just kind of well, just like you know yeah, the like, like, like the next happen. like the next
1: person that's like the next guest that's coming up like the way i built it you're gonna hear it i'm not gonna immediately like right when it hits go and it's Gucci and Willie Rebecca. <laughs> like, I'm going to let you feel the vibe, get you into the rhythm. I mean, you know, to the beat of the rhythm Man. of the night.
2: There yeah. you go. Yeah. There you go. Uh, Usa. All right, I almost want you to keep on singing and <laughs> feel the beat of the rhythm of the night. Do you remember well. that? Do you know who that is? <laughs> is it Gory Estefan? Okay, we're done. Or what? Who is it then? It was the barge. Okay.
1: To the beat of the rhythm of the night. Rock guy. Rock guy. Okay, Rock. Right. Give here, me some credit. You know credit. what? You're the type of guy that if you don't get something and someone calls you on it, you blah, blah, blah. But then when I say, hey, nice job, you're like, hey, I know hip-hop. I know hip-hop. I know honey. What are you sh- talking about? I know old-school stuff. <laughs> I know the Humpty Hump. What are you talking about? Hey, you you put one of your rejoins you put together days coming up in a little bits, bit. got some old-school hoop-hoop. Yeah, see? Sometimes they shock you. Little stuff that I would do out there in the early 80s and did a little pop and pop-pop.
2: Pop, pop. And pop. locking, and locking.
1: Plenty I can of lock. I can could pop. Could lock,
2: really. Yeah. Okay. No. So let's get to let, Let's help these people make some money, really. Yeah. What are our records? Let's look. So you're 10 1 and 1. Jesus. And I'm 8 and 4, but I haven't
1: lost in like four weeks. Don't, you're not supposed to say that. Okay. But just, I still feel good. You just say the record. Okay. The second that you say the run you're on, you're done. Did I just jinx myself? Did pretty I just much. say this guy hasn't missed a field goal and yeah, like, uh, oh, 7th inning and he's got a no hitter. Verlander, <laughs> we think
2: things are going to change. If I was
1: betting these from the start, I could just quit. I could quit everything. And 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 you just parlay continue parlay. so like like if I would put 100 bucks and then and then 100 bucks on the next one. And then 100 and then, and then you just whatever you win, you put it on the next one. Then you put it on the next one. You just, you just keep carrying the wins over. 10-1 one and one, bro. You'd be good. You'd be sitting pretty right now. You'll be sitting pretty soon. What do you got this week? Uh, So last week I hit the under Broncos Jaguars. Or uh, under Broncos Jets. This week I'm going under Broncos Jaguars. They're going to London. Right? Uh, Who knows what's going on with the Broncos offense. The Jags are going to be coming up against one of the toughest defenses in the league. I'm going there. And on top of that too, Russell Wilson is starting.
2: We don't know if he's going to return back to form. I'm going to go with... The Eagles over the Steelers. Okay. And the Steelers are just flat-out bad. You don't know what's going on with the quarterback. There's so many injuries, and the Eagles just got richer by making that trade for Robert Quinn. Eagles, they're going to be favored by 10 over here at the Golden Circle Sportsbook. I'm taking the Eagles over the Steelers.
1: So, in the Keystones, the Battle of the Keystone State, you're taking the Eagles. And in London, I'm taking the under between the Broncos and the... Jaguars. Now, hey, don't forget, tomorrow I will be at the Westgate. You will be at the Westgate. Yes. We will be at the Westgate. I'll be there from 8 to 10. 8 to 9 is the Sunday football preview show. So if you can't make it down there, make sure you tune in. Gooch will be in the theater. From 9 to noon. 9 to noon. Plenty of big screen action, plenty of seats and it's free. Yes, free smoke-free environment. It, I'm telling you it's the best place in the world to watch football. It's amazing. All right, so make sure you get down there. It's the Westgate. Sunday is the place to be with ESPN Las Vegas. Coming up in just a minute. It's the Minnesota Kid. Daily, beloved. We are gathered here today to get through this thing
4: called life. Electric, Electric word, word life, life, it means forever, forever, and that's a mighty long time. But I'm here to tell you, there's something, there's something
0: else. If he's not on press row, you can find him tossing heavy iron all over a gym. He's the Minnesota kid, Sam Gordon.
1: Now you see how I let the see, music. All right, you're you see right. how I let the vibe come in. Now, if I wouldn't, if I had just jumped in, you wouldn't be dancing right now. See, that's the thing. I'm, I, I now I get it because I was vibing. You played a little Prince
2: for me, and I'm like, and I was robbing you of that, of vibing to Pink Floyd when I yes. did it. I'm sorry. Yes, I'm learning my and, and, lesson. And I was
1: dreaming when I produced this. I'm growing Forgive up. Forgive me if yeah. That is the sound <laughs> of the goat, the goat. I'll let's, back let's, that up. Let's make no mistake about it. The self-taught musician, the great. Prince Rogers Nelson, and right now I think we're going to be talking to, like, the goat of fitness journalists. Like, a lot of people, like, before he came around, like, Willie's, like, the fit guy. No, I've, I've lost my title. The fittest guy, the man who wears two sizes, two small T-shirts to show his physique, Sam Gordon. Sam, welcome to the show. Hey, I appreciate it, guys. Appreciate it, Willie. Thank you for having me. Um, love the intro uh,
5: and a, a beautiful uh, purple morning here in, in in Las Vegas, and I'm sure in Minneapolis as well,
1: and in Chanhassen, where 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 Prince's Prince's home was, and I believe where Paisley Park Studios was.
5: Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely.
1: So before we get started, we're asking everyone one sports-related costume. What are you wearing for Halloween?
5: Oh, geez. I mean, I, the the first one that came to mind. Um, is a, is a referee, right? Pretty simple. Throw on throw on the stripes, throw on the black pants and black shirts and get a whistle, and, uh, you know, go trick-or-treating. It sounds like a perfect fit. So that, that was the one that came to mind for me when you said that.
1: All right. Sam Gordon from the Review-Journal, columnist, enterprise reporter. I'm sure he's got some big stuff coming out in their special <laughs> section every Sunday that they do for the Raiders. So let's start right there. They're in New Orleans. Can they string together two straight wins off last week's win?
5: Yeah, Willie, absolutely. Now, now, let's be very clear, going down to the Superdome uh, presents a challenge in and of itself, right? I mean, it's going to be a hostile environment, one of the most unique uh, environments in the NFL. But when you take a look at the Saints team uh, under Dennis Allen this year with with quarterback, you know, kind of a quarterback carousel, Jameis Winston and Andy Dalton, no team in the NFL um, turns the ball over more than the New Orleans Saints. So that bodes well for a Raiders defense that for the first time all year was opportunistic last week with Deron Harmon cashing in. Um, with a pick six, and then defensively, Willie, it's it's one of the it's, you know third, I think they're third in points allowed, allowing almost 30 a game, and this is a Raiders offense that's in, in the top three in scoring. So from a matchup standpoint, take a look at the way this Raiders offense has been playing, kind of leaning into the power run game with Josh Jacobs working some play action off that to Devontae Adams. There's going to be opportunities, I think, to score the ball and to create some big plays down the field and to establish a rhythm offensively and then defensively uh, if they can get after the quarterback um, like they've been able to, I think, a little better the last couple of weeks, still not great in terms of pressure um, and sack numbers, but we know what Max Crosby is capable of, one of the best defensive players in the NFL. And I think we've seen Chandler Jones come on as well a little bit in the last couple of weeks. So if they're able to get after the quarterback, uh, I believe it's going to be Andy Dalton tomorrow. There's going to be opportunities to go get the football. So, you know, we knew, I think, that the schedule was going to be favorable at this point in the season. I think, you know, with that, all that being said, the Saints have played in a number of close games. And there's a case to be made on their side that, hey, they're welcoming a 2-4 and Raiders team in the town that's had similar struggles on the defensive side of the ball. And they're looking at this as an opportunity as well. But the Raiders are favored for a reason. Um, They have a better team. and, And if they want to make the playoffs and get on a roll, this is a game that, quite frankly, they have to win in New Orleans.
2: So UNLV has a bye week. But what does UNLV have to do in order to secure a ball berth?
5: Yeah, I think the biggest thing is get healthy, right? I mean, it sounds it sounds simple, but this is you know a drastically different team um, with Doug Brumfield out there as opposed to any other quarterback. It just kind of is, you know, he with his dual threat ability, with his ability to throw the ball downfield, and with the chemistry that we we, we have seen him establish um, with his receivers. He was sorely missed. I mean, that, that that's pretty obvious when you just take a look at the way um, the offense has looked the last couple of weeks. So I think the bye week, given the situation that they had health wise, and I know they're dealing with a number of other injuries. Um, as well, look, they they got to get. I mean, two more wins uh, over their last four. Um, not saying it's an easy task by any means, but if they can get healthy, um, let's not act like this team wasn't one of the best teams in the Mountain West when Doug Brunfield was was healthy and rolling. So if he gets right behind center um, with the by with the bye week, with the chance to get some of the other pieces around him uh, healthy, then, then I like the Rebels' chances to win a couple games. But if not, uh, then then it might be you know it might be a long month. They just quite quite frankly haven't found any consistency with either Cameron Field or, or Harrison Bailey um, behind center. Uh, so so getting Brumfield back I think is paramount, and I, I think it was uh, you know crucial to have the bye, given what he was dealing with at the time. And, you know, I, I, we'll see what happens coming out of it.
1: Once again, talking to Review Journal columnist, enterprise reporter Sam Gordon, by Sam Gordon on Twitter, at by Sam Gordon. Sam, let's talk NBA, your favorite sport. Uh, who <laughs> has impressed you? Who are you shocked by? And will the Lakers ever win a game?
0: Oh man, um,
5: that that last one's a great question. I'm not sure in terms of in terms of will the Lakers ever win the game. Um, will you just I, they just defensively? I think they're solid. They have a roster of guys that are willing to compete on the defensive end, and they've been in a number of these games. I mean, uh, they've all kind of come down to the fourth quarter. Uh, but offensively, there's just not enough there around LeBron James. It's one of the worst shooting teams in in the league. Probably the worst shooting team. Uh, haven't looked at the percentage after yesterday's game, but probably the worst shooting team uh, in the NBA. And we know that. LeBron's teams historically have thrived with shooters, with spacing, so he can get to the basket and force defenses to make the tough task. If you deny him the rim, or do you stay home on shooters? Right now, the Lakers don't have any personnel that make them do that. Make the closing teams do that. In terms of who I've been impressed with, how about the Cleveland Cavaliers getting off to a 4 one start? A signature, I think, a signature early-season victory yesterday in Boston, where they hang in there, you know, for four quarters with the defending uh, defending Eastern Conference, Conference champions. Force overtime and then dominates the OT session. I think Donovan Mitchell, um, quite frankly, has been a perfect fit there and just adds a level of maturity that this young group didn't have uh, last season. I think the Milwaukee Bucks, uh, my pick before the season to win the championship, uh, they 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 look exactly that part um, so far. Just four and Giannis looking uh, every bit like a two-time MVP. That's coming for a third MVP. There's no um, question at this point that he is the best player. Uh, and then in, in the NBA, and then on the Western Conference side, how about Portland, Willie? That's not a team that I, I expected um, to get off to a 5-1 and one start. I thought they might be a team more towards the bottom of the Western Conference standings. Uh, but the moves they made in the offseason, adding a Jeremy Grant, right? Trading last year for Josh Hart, uh, adding Gary Payton the second, even though he hasn't necessarily been active yet. He's going to be a, a key piece uh, in their rotation, especially on the defensive side. They've really clicked. And then Damian Lillard, you know, having him healthy and right. He was not healthy last year, and I think he, he struggled a little bit early on. Now, he just, I believe, rolled his ankle, or he's dealing with something that's going to keep him out for a week or two. But there were a couple 40-point games early in the season looking every bit like the Damian Lillard. We, we've grown accustomed to seeing guy that made the All-NBA first team a couple years ago. So, uh, this, it, it, it's still very early. You know, there's a lot that we need to see, but, but so far, um, that's what's jumped out to me. Uh, in the early goings And, and again I don't see anybody beating Milwaukee this season if they are healthy and right Giannis is the best player in the league and the chemistry that they have that they've developed by keeping that group together that really matters in basketball and we've seen that so far in the early goings
2: so far the Golden State Warriors have generated a lot of drama and do you think we're buying way too much into the drama after this kind of mediocre start or or is there really something going on behind the scenes
5: yeah, I mean, I think it's always tough to, to repeat um, in professional sports, right? And, and, and this is a group, this is a core, as we know, that's been together for several years, right? The, the core of that team now, all those players in their early to mid-30s. Uh, and, and then we know about what happened uh, before the season with Draymond Green and Jordan Poole. So uh, I think it was already going to be really hard to repeat. And then you kind of add that, that, that tension that, that was happening before the season. Um, yeah, it's going to be a challenge, no doubt about it. Now, now, with that being said, Golden State's far too talented to remain at the bottom of the Western Conference standings. They're eighth right now. Like, that's not going to hold. I, I do expect this team uh, to make a deep playoff run and potentially you know, go to the finals again and even win the championship. They are a contender. There's no doubt about that. I'm not breaking any news here. But uh, because of all the things we just talked about, because of the difficulty repeating, because of their aging core, because of the, the, the tension, right, That like that's what it was. Um, that the Draymond Green punch created, I do think some of that is going to linger throughout the course of the year. Uh, this is a first-class organization with leadership at, at every single level, so I think they're going to be able to weather a lot of that. Uh, but it's, it's it's those kind of things matter. Um, chemistry really matters. This is one of the best best one organizations uh, in all of professional sports. But it would not shock me if we see a little hitch or two at some point later in the season because of everything that this team has gone through before the year. So, again, way too talented uh, to, to not be a, a championship contender and certainly wouldn't surprise me um, if they repeated per se. But, but, you know, they played 100 games last year. It's going to require another 100 games to do so. Uh, and then you have this, all this floating over the, over the team throughout the course of the year. I'm not, I don't necessarily see a repeat, but it wouldn't be a surprise. But with that said, no need to panic right now. It's still far too early.
1: Talking to Sam Gordon from the Review Journal, columnist and, of course, Enterprise Reporter. So we'll we'll get to what you worked on for this week, Sam, but I want to touch upon something that you know very well. You and I both know very well. So college basketball set to start last night. Number 11, Tennessee, smoked number two Gonzaga. That's the the word out there, right? I'm seeing all these headlines this morning. It was an exhibition game. Personally, I think Mark Few hoodwinked us, and he was experimenting. We didn't get a good glimpse of the Bulldogs, so I get a kick out of all these headlines. Um, did you happen to pay attention? Did you stream it? Did you see it? Did you read about it?
5: I, I did not see it. But in terms of the Bulldogs, Willie, I'm, I, they, this is – a machine, right? One of the best programs year in and year out. We know what they're bringing back with Drew Timmy and Julian Strother, and we know what, they're, what they add every single year, be it in the transfer portal and then in recruiting as well. So, you know, it's early. I, I, even though I didn't necessarily see it, this is a team that I still have you know, high hopes and high expectations for. I know there are internally uh, high expectations every single season uh, up in Spokane, and, and, and who knows? Maybe this will be the year. They've been right on the precipice uh, for the last few, but it feels like he's got a really mature group this year that's been through a lot the last couple of seasons. Uh, reaching the national championship and then coming up short um, last year uh, in two, or in 2021-22, so this is a team I think he doesn't rebuild, he reloads, and I, I expect another big season up there in Spokane for sure.
1: Yeah, and it was it was just interesting because there was like the Bulldogs fans were 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 clamoring, and, and all of a sudden there's a word, you know, there's a, what's going on and this and that, and of course the volunteer <laughs> fans think that they got this big win, and I'm, I'm thinking you know the rankings aren't going to change, the preseason rankings are set in stone, they still got to get to the first. Uh, they still got to get to the uh, to the first week of the season before before anybody gets gauged on anything. And and the big thing is, um, I think that Few was just, you know, was doing some experiments with the young sure. guys because there's a lot of ball handlers on that squad. I mean, he had, like, three different ball handlers moving the ball, including Julian, and we know Julian's a true number three. Here's a statement I want to throw out there. Everybody, you know, was yeah. excited when he came back, but Drew Timmy was like, oh, he's coming back. That's the guy, that's the guy. And I... And I think going into the season, people are going to say, this is Drew Timmy's team. But I think from a natural, gradual standpoint, this is going to become Julian's team. Not because he does anything, not that there's a power struggle, not that there's any dissension between the two. I just think it's going to be a natural gravitation because of his style of play and what he can do at both ends of the court and his game at the three, that this becomes his squad. Yeah.
5: I mean, I think college basketball, um, in basketball in general, it's about perimeter play at the end of the day, and that's taking nothing away from Drew Timmy, who I think is going to go down as one of the more memorable post players that we've had kind of in a modern era just with, with his personality and with the success that they've had here, and of course with the, with the production uh, that, that he's put forth. He's no doubt about it; is one of the best players in the league but, or in the country. But with that being said, um, to your point, uh, it's a perimeter-oriented game. A, at the end of the day, perimeter players tend to win. They tend to make the biggest difference, and we see, we have a guy in Julian Strother, uh, right, who – as, as we've seen, has continued to expand his game, right? Emerging last season as a reliable catch-and-shoot uh, three-point shooter who can attack a closeout. Now you're expecting his game to grow even more, and there's a reason he's back in Spokane. He's going to have a big opportunity uh, to have the keys this year to, make, to be able to make some plays uh, with the ball in his hands and, and an opportunity to really lead and anchor this offense. So Drew Timmy's going to command a lot of attention, and that's going to create opportunities for perimeter players like Julian Strother, who, again, is a junior now. Uh, he's been through it with this program, been to the national championship, uh, made another deep run in the NCAA tournament uh, as a junior now with the maturity that we've seen from him um, put forth. I think he's in line for a big year and definitely uh, the expectat- definitely ex- expectations, definitely um, expectations in Spokane are-, are high and he's going to be a big part of whatever they accomplish. No doubt about it.
2: We ESPN- got a- oh, go ahead. oh, ESPN, Las Vegas. We're speaking with Sam Gordon and Sam, we're up against it. We're going to wrap things up after this question here, but how much, how much do you think local Julian Strother has raised his stock?
5: Yeah, quite a bit. I think quite a bit. Um, he was definitely a, a guy that NBA. He was on the radar of NBA scouts last year and kind of dipped his toes in the water to get, you know, get evaluations and feedback. Uh, and with a big year, there's no. I, I have no doubt that he can play himself uh, into the first round and potentially into the lottery. Right at six, 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 seven. Um, that's the archetype of player that's super valuable in the NBA. And we know about his shooting. He's a, he's an excellent three point shooter. You would think that that's going to be even better this year, and then he's going to be able to do a little bit more with the ball. So. Um, from that standpoint, uh, there there is an NBA future, uh, it, 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 he, or he has an NBA future, provided his development um, continues. And it, I, I, again, I think he can definitely be a, a first round pick. He he plays a premium position on the wing. He has the skill set that NBA teams are, are looking for. It's just about continuing to develop and add to that, and and having the ball in his hands more this year at Gonzaga is going to only help him um, grow and, and develop for the pros as well. So. Uh, he he's, he's continuing to round out his game. And, again, he has an opportunity, I think, to be a first-round pick and maybe even a lottery pick if he has a big year and shows the improvement that we all think he put forth.
1: There he is, the Minnesota kid. Glad you could join us, Sam. I appreciate it. More than anything, I appreciate the fact that when we called you and got you on the air today, we did not hear iron being thrown around and you could <laughs> hear other machines going. Because we know that if you call Sam and he's not in a press room or on press row, you're usually hearing gym noise in the background. So. <laughs>
5: I'm going to be up there actually in about an hour or so. So I wanted to wanted to make sure we got our conversation at first, Willie. I really appreciate you guys having me um, on the show, and, and uh, we'll see how the Raiders do on Sunday, heading out to New Orleans in a little bit, and we'll be at the Superdome tomorrow. So I uh, appreciate everything, and we'll talk soon.
1: All right, fly safe, enjoy the trip. Minnesota kids, Sam Gordon, filling us in on all the local angles. When we come back, NFL Network's Taylor Bashotti jumping on for a quick chat about... The Las Vegas Raiders. Welcome back on the snap of the ball on second and seven. Carr with time going for the end zone. It is caught by Mac Hollins
0: for the touchdown. Time for a look at the National Football League with NFL Network's
1: Taylor Bisshady. Oh yeah, bringing it back, Michael Jackson. We're up against it a couple of days. Halloween. I was wondering what it was coming up on you the know, show. Yeah, you I know, knew I, it yeah, was coming. Yeah, you know, I had to use <laughs> the two goats. We had Prince earlier. We got Michael Jackson, and now we got one of the goats of NFL reporting joining us. Appreciate you giving us some time here on ESPN Las Vegas, throwing the flag from Treasure Island, Taylor Bashotti. Taylor, how are you this morning?
4: Hi, I'm doing well, guys. How are you? Thank you for having me.
1: Thank you for giving us some time. I understand the deadline stuff, trust me. writing I've been up since three writing sports betting stuff and then putting the show together, so I really appreciate you giving us some time, especially... Okay, to,
4: well, me- I've got to give you some credit right there by writing some sports betting stuff because have any of these games been easy to predict this year? I don't think so. <laughs>
1: well, you know, what's funny you, you asked that, but we've been doing this show since, I think, two weeks before the regular season or one week before the regular season started, and there we have a segment in the first hour... Uh, where we give a free pick. I am 10-1-1, one and, one, and Gooch is 8-4. and four. So we're combined 18-5-1 wow. thus far. Now, okay, now, well, I now because I said that in bragging, we'll probably both lose this week. Um, okay, so real quick, because I know you don't have a lot of time, but we are asking everyone before we get started, one sports-related costume. You're invited to a, a, a Halloween party. What are you wearing?
4: Mm, that's a good question. Gosh. What would be a fun one? Um, I mean, maybe Jalen Hurts jersey since he's undefeated. Okay. I don't know.
1: Okay. I, I threw it way back to, to, to my era and to the 70s, and I uh, picked the, uh, uh, a member of the Baseball Furies gang in the movie The Warriors. I don't know if you remember that movie or ever saw that movie. Okay. With Michael back and James Remar, but there was there one of the gangs. It's a gang trying to get from Central Park all the way to Coney Island without getting killed because so it, it uh, and and one of the gangs they dress up in baseball uniforms with painted faces and they're the Furies. So that was one of the things to go as in Halloween back then. So uh, anyway, okay, so we'll take the Jalen Hurts. That works because he's undefeated.
4: I mean, listen, who wouldn't want to be undefeated? So.
1: I, I get it. I get it. Speaking with Taylor Bashotti from NFL Network joining us here on Throw the Flag, Gooch and Willie down at Treasure Island on ESPN Las Vegas. So, real quick, a couple questions. What have you thought about the Derek Carr-Devontae Adams dynamic thus far?
4: You know, I think that I would just kind of encapsulate the entire Raiders season as I was actually going through my notes this morning and I was thinking about the Giants team. And then I I think about they're just a team that somehow found a way to win all these games, even though they started off this game trailing all the way out throughout the fourth until the fourth quarter. And I think of the Raiders, and I think, wow, they're so much of a better team than what their record shows, and they're just a team that seems to me that they find a way to somehow lose the game. So whereas the Giants is going in their favor, unfortunately the Raiders, it just seems to not be going in their favor, and I do think that they are a much better team than their record indicates. Devonte Adams, Derek Carr, I still think that, you know, we're waiting to see a little bit more fireworks on that front. Yeah. But but I do think that obviously it's a very, very special I mean, special relationship. Anybody that plays with Devontae Adams is gonna find chemistry with him. But yeah. the highlight on your team right now I would say is Josh Jacobs. The last three games I think he rushed for a four hundred and forty one yards, something crazy like that.
1: Yep. Yeah, we've been kind of waiting for that, waiting to see, you know, because Josh McDaniels, I think the play calling as an offensive guru that he is, it sort of tripped him up. I got all these weapons. How do I use them? Daryl Waller, Hunter Renfro, Devontae Adams. I got a running Mm -hmm. back uh, room. What do I do? And I think he's figured it out that Josh Jacobs is good enough to set up the play action, set up the pass plays, and I think we're going to see that moving forward. That being said, with a somewhat of a softer schedule than it opened up with, Las Vegas – is two and four, has two straight. New Orleans Jacksonville comes home for the Colts. Can this team still make a run at the playoffs, considering the AFC West has not necessarily been that powerhouse division we all thought it was? Going yeah. To
4: be? I think they absolutely can. I think, especially when you've got a new coach, you've got a new number one wide right receiver, it's going to take some time to get that chemistry going. It's going to take some time for the team to really come together and get in their groove, get in their rhythm. And especially if they've got an easier season towards the second half, they are absolutely still in the race, still in the mix for the playoffs. I mean, we've seen that the Broncos just have not been anything that we thought that they were going to be. And then the Chargers are kind of just decimated from all these injuries that they've had. And so it's really the only two teams that are in that race right now, I would say, are the Raiders and the Chiefs. There you
1: go. Wow, that's Right, Raiders are two and four. I mean, I, I like it.
2: I'm a little shocked that the Chargers are like it's just com- completely booted out. Yeah. You know, while, yeah. while those well, injuries. Yeah, you well, know, I just are... think
4: that Rashawn Slater just has such a big impact, and then you've got yeah. Mike Williams, and that's just a huge loss for that offense. And then J.C. Jackson on defense—like, you're just seeing injuries left and right. I just I can't imagine them going as far without those key players.
1: Taylor, what do you have coming up? Uh, I know you said you were working on something. You got some articles coming up, or are you just, you're just you just setting up for tomorrow? Yeah,
4: I kind of do um, game previews for all the different matchups, or at least like probably the top eight best matchups. And then tomorrow I've got the 49ers-Rams game here in Los Angeles. All
1: right, there you go. Well, Taylor, we really appreciate you coming on because I know – Saturday mornings are busy for you because I know how busy my Fridays are to set up for my Saturday and Sunday mornings radio show. So to, to jump on here on ESPN Las Vegas, I truly appreciate it. We'll we'll catch up with you later on the season. Hopefully you get some more time. But uh, thanks for jumping on. Taylor Basotti from NFL Network. Yeah, thank you for having me. All right, thanks. Taylor Basotti from NFL Network. So, I mean, you know, she makes a good point, Gooch. I mean, you know, the Broncos aren't what they were Expected to be with Russell Wilson. That offense is atrocious. Their defense is the best thing they have going for them. But now the schedule going to London and coming back. I mean, who knows what's going to happen with that team. And the Chargers with injuries, it really does open up the door for now a team that's coming together, finding its groove. The Raiders make a run and somewhat get into second place and all of a sudden they're they with the with the head of momentum ahead of steam. Look out, Chiefs. This could be a replay from last year. Remember last year they started off
2: bad and then they got rid of uh, Gruden and then things could just kind of they, they came together, mm. they found a way to look at one another and hold each other accountable and the team took off. This, is, this could be
1: very similar to last year
2: with more talent.
1: Well, and one thing that I've said to a lot of people that have been down and hating on the you know the, the, the haters of the Raiders is ah. this if the Raiders started <laughs> off three and two and then went one and four. Or if the Raiders started off four and one and then went one and four, or if the Raiders at some point in a seventeen-week season, if the Raiders went one and four, but they weren't three games under five hundred, nobody would say a word. Mm-hmm. So they started off one and four. Now they have to make up for it, and they got to play play catch up in a seventeen-week season. That extra week means something. That extra game, and I think that, that this year you're seeing that there are going to be some teams. I think it's going to catch up with the Giants. I don't know about the Eagles but some of the teams that have been breaking out they may see a 1 and 4 slide at some point between weeks maybe 8 and 12 or you know whatever over the course of 5 weeks they're going to see a 1 and 4 slide the raiders just got theirs out of the way
2: there's only three teams in the NFL that I look at and go, I don't think you're going to see a two or a three game slide. Well, maybe a two game slide, but no more than that. And it's going to be the Bills, the Chiefs, and the Eagles. Those are the three teams that look like they are playing lights out. And when they lose, it's it's going to be close. Eagles haven't even lost, right? But when the Bills and the Chiefs play and they've lost, it's like didn't see that coming. But they reached they they the very next game they came back and just showed everyone just how dominant they can be. And those are the teams that I think are going to go deep into the year. But as outside of those three teams, I have no clue, no clue who's going to go deep into the playoffs.
1: Yeah, I, I might agree with you, you know, like two or three games, slide. but the one team that I, I'm i still just not, and it's, it's not being negative, man. I just don't – I'm not convinced yet that the Bills are going to continue the uh, – They're dominating ways. I think that something could catch up to them, and I don't know what. I just can't put my finger on it. But I'm just not sold.
2: It's the NFL, and injuries can happen at the drop of a hat. You know, for example, you saw the—I didn't realize just how amazing Von Miller was until I didn't see him on the Rams. Right.
1: That. Yeah. You know, and now he's
2: over in Buffalo, still being Von
1: Miller. Right. And it's and it's and it's a lot of it. Yeah, their play, their greatness on the field, but it's the presence. You know, we saw that with the Raiders' defense with Denzel Perryman, just that the game where he wasn't on the field, and it wasn't so much when he wasn't that when he came back. The presence that he provides on the field, and Sam Gordon, who we just spoke to at the top of the hour, wrote a great column on him. You can go read that at LVRJ.com in the sports section. Fantastic, and it really sort of embodies who the person is in Denzel Perryman, and he is really a, a great guy to talk to in the locker room. Like we, He's had fun with us, poking fun with us. Like in training camp, where he won't say anything and he avoids and he circles around the question. But like I've had one-on-ones with him. Sam had a one-on. We've had in the locker room after practice. And man, what a great veteran! All right, when we come back, Gooch's favorite segment. He's going to be throwing some flags. He's got some some issues with some people. It's just it's getting out of hand. He's I, I mean he's just he's got <laughs> so he's angry. got things in red. He's got words <laughs> in red on this on our rundown. So Written who knows? It's Gooch. It's Gooch <laughs> and Willie. We're throwing the flag treasure island we do it every single week i got jet on my left engineer and lindsey's quarterbacking it espn las vegas we're back in a minute
2: we came we saw we kicked its ass did you see it what is it we got it oh, what is it will there be any more of them <laughs> sir what you had there was what we referred to as a focused non-terminal repeating phantasm or a class five full roaming vapor Real nasty
0: one, too. Now, back to Throw the Flag with Willie Ramirez and Gooch. If there's something strange in your neighborhood, who you going to call? Say it.
4: Yeah, he
2: missed it. Yeah, I missed It, <laughs> it me off guard. Once again, Throw the Flag back here at the Treasure Island Sportsbook. <laughs> Golden Circle hanging out doing Throw the Flag. Letting everybody know our thoughts on the world of sports. I'm Gooch. This is Willie Ramirez, ESPN Radio 1100. And
1: I am going to start.
2: Ray Parker, Jr.
1: Okay, making sure.
2: All right. I'm going to start off by throwing my flag at Clay Thompson. Now, I love Clay Thompson. But the only reason why I'm going to throw the flag at him is because he came out and he said Charles Barkley's comments about him hurt his heart. And although I didn't agree, with Barkley's criticisms of Clay Thompson, where Barkley basically just said he's not the same guy after the ACL and Achilles injuries he suffered in back-to-back seasons. But my question to Clay is, why are you even listening to Charles Barkley? You responding the way you did wasn't viewed as you standing up for yourself. It showed me and a ton of other people that you're losing confidence. There's so much more strength in not responding. And the Dubs are 3-2, and, and there's so much drama surrounding them, and it's all petty drama. And the Dubs are the champs, and anytime the champs come out flat the way they are, they're going to invite petty criticisms from analysts that are starving to create clickbait. And Barkley was just trying to say something that could grab headlines, instead of going after the easy target of Draymond Green. Barkley went after Clay, and Clay, look, you're a three-time NBA champion before the injury, and you were a major contributor in the season where Barkley claims you lost a step, and you, and all you did was go out there and help them win a fourth champion with the team. That drafted you. You already proved Barkley wrong. Barkley was on three teams, has zero rings, and he even joined the Super Team with Akeem and Clyde, and he came up short with that. So Clay, why are you even bringing this up? You already won.
1: It. It. it you know. You bring up good point. I mean, I I don't know what's going on with the with the with the Warriors, and it it shocks me as a whole, not just Clay. Steve Cofield brought this up on on our show Thursday. Um, he made a good point. He called him like a wounded animal, right? Draymond's acting like a fool. Clay got himself tossed. Um, Aiton had words for Draymond after a flop. Devin Booker says Clay Thompson repeated over and over that he has four rings before he got ejected. Like, they're, they're playing a victim role that they don't need to play when they're really not the victims at all of anything. They're the defending champs, and they realistically – with the core that they have back outside of KD, they won a title without him. They won one without him uh, after him. They don't need to be acting the way on the whole. I mean, I don't know if it's just clay, if we throw it at the entire team in the, and it surprises me because if there's one person that we've seen during our era, you know, of watching sports, Gooch, it's, you know, Phil Jackson and the Zen master where he would give every single player preseason, a different book to read meditation practices yoga like different things that they cleanse your mind and, and and steve kerr was a product of that so i'm just shocked that at how they're acting and how you know there there needs to be kerr needs to settle things down a little bit because these first couple weeks because that you, you don't want it to spiral you don't want it to get out of control You don't want anybody pointing fingers. And that's the one
2: thing, too. It's like, where do you even start with that team? I just think it's a lot of guys that are just sitting back on their laurels. I'm also going to be throwing the flag at the Chiefs for trading for wide receiver Kadarius Toney for a third rounder. Now, look, it's not that Tony's a bad player. He's a very good wide receiver. I do like him. But if they're going to keep up with Buffalo and the AFC, the Chiefs needed to add some impact players on defense. The Eagles haven't lost at all and what do they do they go out there and they grab Robert Quinn from the Bears for a fourth round pick and no guaranteed money next year or the year after that so this is like the perfect contract for the Chiefs to absorb they only paying them like seven million this year hmm. and it's crazy that the Chiefs didn't make this move the Eagles front four by the way okay you have Hassan Riddick Brandon Graham Fletcher Cox and now Robert, Robert Quinn. Quinn I
1: mean Robert it's, it,
2: good luck Good luck to any quarterback facing that.
1: You know, we just talked about Vaughn Miller and Denzel Perryman, guys whose presence. I remember when the uh, Raiders were getting ready to play the Bears, and I was listening to press conferences last year, I think. Right? they played them last year? I think so. Uh, listening. Yeah, Bears came here. Listening to press conferences throughout the week. When we're at the Raiders facility, we're waiting to, to for their availability. You know, if they're playing a team from the East Coast, they've already gone through their media. So we're listening to the press conferences that just took place. And the impact that this dude has on a locker room and a unit and a huddle. The fact that, you know, first of all, the Chiefs trading for a receiver. Didn't they get rid of their star receiver? Yeah. I mean, wouldn't you have thought of that before? You, I mean, Right. right. Oh, oh, are you saying that you're hurting at receiving position? Uh, yeah. But now the Eagles are even stronger. You're right. I mean, and Quinn is a pickup. That's, it, not, that's, a, that's a dude. And, and, that's a dude. And next year, too, he's going to be a free agent. I, I mean, you could have built so
2: much around him. I don't understand; Raiders should have even went after him, even though I do. You know, they already kind of went after Challenge, Challenge Jones in the, in the earlier in the season, but still. I mean, another pass rusher of that caliber—you can never have. You can never have enough of those guys. I'm moving on to the Rams. We're going to be—I'm th- I'm throwing the flag at anyone who disagrees with Cooper Cup's take that football should always be played on grass. Listen to these. Listen to these numbers, Willie. They don't lie. Injuries on turf outnumber injuries on grass by. A significant margin, especially players have a 28% higher rate of non-contact lower extremity injuries when playing on artificial turf. And of those non-contact injuries, players have a 32% higher rate of non-contact knee injuries on turf and a staggering 69% higher rate of non-contact foot slash ankle injuries on turf compared to grass. Why is this even
1: being discussed so my question to you is did you see did you see this and 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 read whatever Cooper you know did you read the story with the numbers in Cooper Cup and assume that there or are there actual varying opinions against this I haven't seen any opinion every coach every player
2: everybody for years has been saying grass over turf but now you're looking at these numbers
1: and you're seeing these this is crazy okay so then there's really so we don't have proof that people are saying disagreeing with them right you're, you're just saying if there is anybody. if there is anyone okay. yeah you're I mean, just sparking a little debate. i'm just trying to spark a little you're debate just throwing a little gas on the fire
2: i'm trying to let you be the bad guy ain't give ain't me, the, give to, me no. the turf argument it, really.
1: ain't, it ain't gonna ha- you ain't gonna get that from me <laughs> not from a guy who just had meniscus surgery and I'm, I'm i'm arguing against slippery floors at the gym come on now and when i think of when i when i think of this argument though i think of the rams
2: playing in the super bowl on turf OBJ was well off to being the MVP of that game. He was going to be the the most valuable player of that game, and instead, non-contact injury tore his ACL, and then Cooper Cup went on to NFL lore, and he's being the guy.
1: And where's OBJ right now? Still waiting for a team to call. Still recuperating. Exactly.
2: And I think somebody's going to snatch him up, and I think he's going to go off. I think OBJ is if he could just avoid those injuries, he's incredible.
1: All right. So we. Um... Taylor Bishotti was going to come on with us for an extended time, but we were texting, and she is really up against it, which I completely appreciate writers when they have deadline, and she's got to write a preview for every single game. So we were going to have her on for a little bit longer. You have some topics you want to talk about, Well, what I want to do is – Let's do our final break before we get out of here with the final flag, and then we're going to save some of these topics because I think it's perfect for some flag throwing. But I i don't want to throw flags at these guys other than one person but because I think that there's really a lot of mental health issues going on, um, which – you know, I talk about some way or another, try to slip in at all times. But I really want to talk about the whole Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers discussion. We want to talk about just, you know, because Kurt Warner said it's time for them to step away. But I want to save that for the final flag, Gooch. Let's let's bring it back. We'll close out the show properly. I got an RIP I want to give away because I have to go to a wake, very special person to the UNLV community. of um, Actually, a couple people this past week also. And uh, one little review from Netflix uh, documentary. It is Willie. It is Gooch. Jed Engineer and Lindsey Quarterback in the show back home at Lotus. We are at Treasure Island. ESPN Las Vegas. We do it every single Saturday from 9 to 11. So get down here. You got time. We got some giveaways. The kitchen's open. The bar is open. The sports book is open. The TVs are quite clear. So come on down and visit us. ESPN Las Vegas. We're back in a few.
0: Sorry, Mr. Laird, me tug-doggy out. Me tug-doggy Okay. Uh, just have the defense run sprints. I get right of. hey! Lead off, Now we're kinda fuck we go to. we're gonna all my The final flag. <laughs> Throw the flag
2: back again. Golden Circle, Treasure Island Sportsbook, ESPN, Las Vegas. Gooch, Willie, wrapping things up with the final flag. Will you remember what movie that was?
1: Uh, the, water, the Water
2: Boy. The water Boy, there you go. And you trying
1: to test me, bro, because I'm testing you with the old school music? You <laughs> yes. You think that you don't, you think, I mean, <laughs> dude, <laughs> don't <laughs> even, don't. <laughs> Don't play me, you. bro. Don't try me. Don't test me. I wanted to get you. I wanted to see if you were on Now on, it, but on my you're fourth on cup it. of coffee and half an Adderall. Don't <laughs> test me, bro. I, I only had don't was don't let Willie Will come out. Come on now.
2: I had half a cup of coffee today. I already got the nights wrong. Don't want Things you were bad. Out of here. Oh man, my ego is hurting. My ego is hurting today. So here we are with the final flag. Lots to get to on this final
1: flag. And where do we start, Willie? Well, let's start. Let's start. I, I I don't want to start it on a somber note, so we'll we'll finish it with a couple of tributes before we get out of here. Uh, so, and we, and we have about ten minutes, a little bit longer than we normally do for the final flag. So let's 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 dig in for about seven minutes here with what you want to throw the flag at, my review of a show I just watched, and then we'll talk about losing a couple of UNLV legends.
2: I just want to talk about Kurt Warner bringing up that he believes that Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers are at the finish line. Obviously Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers is still debatable, but you know, after the game, he was basically saying that he thinks both of those guys look like they're exhausted. And then he added, maybe it is time to walk away. Now we've, we doubted Brady before. And then all he did was just join another team and win a Super Bowl. But this feels different. We've never seen Tom Brady play with, this much attention on his personal life. That was the one thing with Tom Brady. Like, it, it always seems like the greats are always able to stay out of the media and make sure that the spotlight is always focused on the game. But this is the first time we've ever seen anybody shine a spotlight on anything other than Tom Brady's performance on the field. And to me, it seems like it's totally getting to him. And at this point, it's like, what do you have to keep fighting for, Brady? What do you have to earn? You've already won more Super Bowls, you already have more postseason victories, more yards, more touchdowns than everybody. Why, why keep on playing? You've, you've lost your family as a result. Aaron Rodgers, you know, the way he's playing, Yes, yeah, sure, he lost Devontae Adams. You know, and that's a huge loss. People cannot – you can't put that into words how big of a loss losing Devontae Adams is somebody you've been building chemistry up for years And then all of a sudden you get stuck with what Aaron Rodgers is dealing with now. But he does not
1: look like he's into the game like he was. What do you think? I think that Tom Brady's – okay, let's go back to last year before he announced his retirement. I clearly 100% believe that he was PO'd, that Adam Schefter showed him up and broke the news that he was retired. I think he wanted to announce it on his own accord. He wanted to be the guy that goes out on his word – I don't know how much it was him saying, announcing it and then saying, you know what, I'm going to come back and then I'll say what I'm going to – you know, I don't know – I don't I don't want to go that far yet, but there's also part of me that Brady's competitiveness, yeah, you know, that like, hey, wait a minute, you know, um, and he still had something to prove because he wasn't able to win it back-to-back back and, and after last year. So um, the, the whole thing, it threw Giselle off. They had had their talks that, that, you know, this was it. He was going to retire the kids, right? He was going to be a family man. And I do think that there's a part of it where he, you know, he spent some time. He was like, you know, I, I I don't know what to do. I've been doing this for so long that at a certain point I go do this. I don't think that he wants to be away from his kids. I don't think he dislikes right. being a family man. I think there's a there's a thing for retiring NFL people that down in Atlanta when you retire, you go down there, and it's mainly so you don't sort of fall into these mental doldrums and you can deal with them because there are players, millions and millions of dollars, of you know, in retired players' bank accounts, but they fall into depression because they don't know what to do with themselves. They're used to showing up to OTAs. They're used to being in training camp in August, you know, July, then August, then September, all the way through hopefully January for some of these guys. They don't know what to do with themselves and they've got millions of dollars in the bank. They they actually have like a like a seminar for these guys. I think Tom Brady needs to reconsider a lot of things because he doesn't look he doesn't look like he lost weight and he's thin, like he's leaning out. He looks emaciated and he doesn't necessarily look healthy. Aaron Rodgers on the other hand, Aaron Rodgers just looks frustrated. I don't think that he's at the end and needs to seriously consider retiring. I just think that he's frustrated with where he's at. Remember, this was a guy who was frustrated with the organization last year. Now he doesn't have his number one target, right, Devontae Adams. And, I mean, I think that they both, the other night watching Tom Brady, he had frustration all over his face when his teammates were making mistakes. He had some bad throws, yes, but he has a horrible supporting cast right now. So on the whole – I think Brady, it's more off the field. Rogers just frustrated on it. You put Rogers, you give him some key players, you put him somewhere else for his final years like you did with Peyton Manning. I think that we'll see the greatness come back and his numbers will shine. I just don't know if Brady has it anymore. And I think losing his family has a big thing to do with it. This is
2: one of those things where you look at the word pride and you go, it's great when you take pride in your work. But this is one of those situations where you take so much pride in your work that you're letting everything else crumble around you in Brady's case. yeah, It's like take a step back. You have nothing else to prove. You are no longer being viewed as the 199th pick in the
1: 1999 draft. I will say this. I think that I have a problem. I'm going to throw the flag, and I have a problem with – There were people that, when Antonio Brown was going through it, like especially when he took the jersey off and left the field, but other incidents, and it was, and I was one of them saying, you know, hey, this dude has a has some mental health issues. You know, nobody. I'm really not hearing a lot of that with Brady. It's more just, you know, it's it's, and they're not mocking, but they're they're poking at losing his family, the divorce, the this and this. I've yet to hear someone say, hey, let's get Tom some help. Well, we were saying that about Antonio Brown. We're now seeing this year some true colors of Antonio Brown. Like nobody's saying now hey let's maybe he needs to get some mental health. I mean he's he's a mental case. Right. But before it was like man we really feel sorry. I'm not hearing that really a lot. I think Tom Brady needs a couch and he needs to talk to somebody. Well because when you, all you
2: all you do with Tom Brady is you just associate winning with Tom Brady. Right. But the thing is is like when there's nothing else to win, what are you going to do? And that, and and I totally I totally get what you're saying. Like Antonio Brown Look, man, the guy's kind of a, a joker, but Tom Brady, he's just not so public, and I right. think that's why those things get brought
1: up. Yeah, it's, 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 you know, we'll see what happens here because he did come out publicly after Thursday's game, said that him and Giselle, did the divorce is final. He's got 10 days, so we'll see how the Buccaneers respond, and maybe he'll be thinking clearer. Who knows? Um, let's move forward real quick. I watched The Redeem Team on Netflix. Did you watch it yet? No, I have not seen it. Okay, so it. Fantastic, because it takes you through three different sort of eras of that team where LeBron and Dwayne Wade were young, part of the older group that was fizzling out, and then, you know, they couldn't get it done, and then all of a sudden Kobe shows up. And when Kobe shows up, it sort of comes across as a Kobe tribute at that point, but it's really not because what it does is it shows what one person's presence. We mentioned it before, Vaughn Miller, Denzel Perryman, right, and then uh, what you call it? Robert Quinn. Robert Quinn. You, you see this story that Carmelo Anthony tells about when they were in Vegas and after like a couple of days, they leave to go to the club. I think they went to Trist. They come walking into the casino Bellagio at 5 in the morning and Kobe's walking out with a gym bag and gym clothes. They're like, where are you going? He's just, I'm going to the gym. And the next day, LeBron and Dwayne were in the gym. By the end of the week, the entire team, there was no going out. They were up at 5 in the morning going to the gym with Kobe Bryant. Really good insight as to the Redeem team. Um, I highly recommend watching this. Really good story. Uh, some great storylines.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Kobe, just flat out amazing. He's got that same type of drive that, that Brady had. But again, Kobe went out on his own accord. And, yep. it, and the way he did it was just so
1: picture-perfect Hollywood ending. Yeah. All right. Uh, talk about going out. We lost a couple of great UNLV legends. Uh, former UNLV Lady Rebels coach Jim Bola who I know Lindsey also had a lot of conversations with. He sat up on press row the first couple of seasons with the Golden Knights. They shared a lot of conversations because they sat near, if not one, next to one another. Um, we lost him recently. Also, we lost one of the original UNLV football players who was on the squad when the, in the first game, the first season they ever played, when it was called Las Vegas Stadium, then onto the Silver Bowl in Sam Boyd Stadium, Papa Joe Lupo. Joe Lupo, big part of this community for a long time. I was very close with the Lupos, covered their daughter when she played at Gorman High School, um, and then she went on to play softball at Wichita State, and now she's um, with the juvenile uh, probation division with Metro, and she's actually a supervisor. Her, Her husband, Aaron, was a former head coach up at Spring Mountain Ranch with that high school up there. I think he still actually is the high school coach up there, the Spring Mountain team. Uh, the kids that go to you know to camp if you will um, so anyway Joe Lupo died he's, he's a former UNLV football player played when they were playing like a Cashman Field back in the in the late 60s and again one of the very first ever football players so a couple of UNLV legends for the old schoolers that know UNLV Jim Bola is probably more popular the name just in terms of his presence in town around town again I know Linz you had to we were up against it, but Linz you had a somewhat a close relationship during the first couple of night seasons.
3: Yeah, he was just a fantastic mentor, and just as someone who moved, you know, basically cold-called here to the the city, he was so welcoming, and he we talked pretty much everything but hockey, and so those are my favorite people when you're talking about life, and um, long battle with cancer, so I'm glad that he's uh, no longer in pain, but certainly a huge loss for this community.
1: Something tells me Jim Bola and Papa Joe are up there talking and listening to us maybe or just kind of hanging out. So I'm going to go head up to the wake. I know that there is a, uh, a celebration of life for Jim Bola next month. I'll be at the Westgate tomorrow, 8 to 9, live. Gooch will be in the theater From 9 to noon, throw the flag. Treasure Island, we're back next Saturday. It's Gooch, it's Willie for Jed and Lindsay and all our guests. We appreciate you. We'll see you down here. ESPN Las Vegas.